Hello, hello. Welcome to Sports on the Rocks. Today's day, Tuesday, September 19th, 2023. I'm your host, Ken Larimer, and no, we don't have a blender. We're all out of mint and the espresso machine on the fritz. So I'll be serving you a big glass of what is happening around the sports world. On today's episode, my NFL no-cap recap, Monday night football double feature, Sean McVay takes the points, Colorado wears their sunglasses at night, Phil Mickelson puts himself in the spotlight again, and of course, last call. But first, a segment that takes us around the sports world, a segment I like to call a little chaser. Ooh. LaCroix. Major League Baseball starting us off. Otani cleans out his locker earlier this week. Los Angeles slash Anaheim freaking out. All of Japan freaking out. Uh, I don't know why. The man had a elbow torn ligament, has an oblique strain. The Angels are not making the playoffs. Uh, and then news comes out today, breaking, breaking news. Uh, he had surgery. The end. Uh, quote from Otani. I had a procedure done on my elbow earlier this morning and everything went very well. He's saying this through Instagram. Thank you very much for everyone's prayers and kind words. It was very unfortunate that I couldn't finish out the year on the field, but I will be rooting on the boys until the end. I will work as hard as I can and do my best to come back on the diamond stronger than ever. That sounds fantastic. I don't doubt that he will do that. Unfortunately for him, uh, it's already been ruled out that he will not be pitching in the 2024 season. Uh, he will be hitting, which would be fantastic because the Yankees could really use another big bat. Or the Dodgers or the Giants. Um, but disappointing. He was having an insane season. Still has a chance for MVP. But uh, just the surgery really, truly giving finality to his season. Um, disappointing, again, to say the least. But he's young. He'll return stronger than ever. And uh, we don't have to watch him pitch next year, but we do get to watch him hit. Pitching announced he will return 2025, barring more injury. Moving on. NFL news, Will Levis, the draft pick for the Tennessee Titans, uh, announcing via social media that him and long-term girlfriend Gia Duddy calling it splits, breaking up. Duddy, of course, went viral on the night of his draft as his draft stock became worth less and less. Gia's stock went up and up and up like many of the people watching video of her in the NFL draft studio. Um, I it, I mean, she is very pretty, very pretty woman. Um, but you horn dogs got her searched 53,500% more in the 24 hours after the draft than she obviously ever had been searched before. Um, much like her, doubled followers overnight. Um, I'm sure Levis has other things he's worried about. They uh, 
I, I don't feel that bad for him. He's an NFL quarterback who was just drafted playing behind Ryan Tannehill. So honestly, he'll probably be playing sooner than later. Um, but you horn dogs and Gia Duddy. Uh, I mean, you could catch a picture on my Twitter at sports OT rocks, um, which please throw a follow. Uh, I always throw up gambling picks uh, as well as try to repost, share and uh, quote tweet lots of what's going on every single day around the sports world. Uh, videos I can't show on the pod. I will go ahead and throw onto Twitter because um, obviously ESPN and major news outlets don't want me to be posting the stuff on the video for you guys to see. So uh, again, twitter.com at sports OT rocks. Uh, and that's where you can find pictures like the picture I will be sharing of Gia Duddy when this podcast drops. Um, and I'm sure if her followers double overnight, um, and her searches go up 53,000% after you even see what her face looks like. Some of you might go and check out this picture. Next up, NBA's a hit show on HBO, Winning Time, which shows the Magic Johnson Lakers during that uh, really fantastic period, um, is canceled after the ratings were cut in half. So... Not everybody cares about L.A. or the Lakers, um, though ESPN um, would have you think it. Actually, funny tidbit about that. Uh, Seinfeld, one of the biggest sitcoms in the history of TV, um, never won an Emmy. And they never won an Emmy because at the same time that the they were uh, nominated, Frasier was nominated. And Frasier takes place in Seattle, West Coast show, um, won all the awards. Uh, so I guess if you're in L.A., L.A. is the center of the universe. If you're in New York, yeah, New York would be the center of the universe, not going to lie. But um, apparently HBO's viewership for this winning time show, which, uh, hand up, never watched, didn't care. Um, but it's not going anywhere. I'm sure it'll be streamed um, on Max uh, for the entirety of the world. But yeah, a quote, interesting quote, um, uh, from Max Borenstein, who tweeted Sunday evening, he's the show's co-creator, said, not the ending that we had in mind, but nothing but gratitude and love. Hmm. Very LA thing of him to say. Uh, but, spoiler alert, the season two finale not how they intended it to end. No, duh, because they were canceled. Um, they originally were supposed to show, again, spoiler, if you were into the show, show Magic Johnson sulking in defeat against the Boston Celtics after the 1984 NBA Finals. Instead, the backup ending was shown, which was owner Jerry Buss, who was John C. Riley, love him, talking with his daughter, Jeannie Buss, about one day taking over the team, as well as a montage of the real-life characters and what they went on to do in their careers. Isn't that a sweet ending? Not the intended ending because it was canceled because ratings were cut in half. But HBO's Max, or Max, formerly HBO Max, formerly HBO, um, has just announced that they will be launching a live sports tier for $10 a month. Uh, 
people that already are paying, existing subscribers, I should say, um, will not be paying this additional $10 a month service. Um, so it won't hurt your wallets until next February. And then you'll be charged the extra $10 a month. But kind of sounds pretty cool. Add it to your subscription services because they'll be having coverage um, teaming up with Paramount, all under the same umbrella of Warner Brothers, Discovery, um, coverage of the NBA, NHL, Major League Baseball, the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament. Ever heard of it? And also golf productions like The Match, the U.S. soccer matches, which I would imagine are going to be a very big deal coming up, 2026 World Cup, uh, stateside. They'll also have cycling races. Yes! And lots of on-demand programming, which I'm sure will actually be pretty cool because under that umbrella of Warner Brothers Discovery, Paramount, HBO, I'm sure and I hope they'll have some pretty cool content, um, maybe like some past HBO sports pay-per-view boxing matches. Um, but yeah, so if you're paying for HBO Max, or I'm sorry, Max, silly me. Uh, by the way, I feel like HBO Max is like the Kanye of subscription services. Like, pick a name, you know? Are you Yee? Are you Kanye? Are you Kanye West? Are you HBO Max? Are you Max? Are you HBO Sports? Make up your mind. <sighs> but that's okay. I'll just pay $10 extra more a month because... I love sports. Next up, Golf World. Ryder Cup's coming up, of course, but this has nothing to do with the Ryder Cup. What else would it have to do with but Phil Mickelson? Again, bringing the news onto him. Golf moving forward, you know, uh, Victor Hovland, excellent tour championship win. Um, the Ryder Cup teams are announced the news is nothing but positive. We've all but forgotten about the Live Golf PGA merger. Um, but yeah, Mickelson going, hey, what about me, guys? I know it's the NFL season and the Ryder Cup is coming up, but I'm going to release a statement that says I will not be gambling on the NFL this season. Wow. Amazing. Uh, of course, this comes after uh, a month ago, professional gambler Billy Walters uh, who is coming out with a new book or came out with a new book uh, that details Mickelson's wagering more than $1 billion, $1 billion, hold on, $1 billion on different sports over the last three decades, racking up more than $100 million in losses, which I don't know about you. I'm a gambling man. Some of you are gambling men and women. $1 billion gambled and losing $100 million Honestly, not that bad. And he can afford it, which is exactly what he details in his Twitter uh, statement, um, which I'm only going to read a little bit of and very quickly because uh, it's straight from the dragon's mouth. Most of you will enjoy, by the way, Phil Mickelson via X slash Twitter. Most of you will enjoy this football season with moderation while having lots of fun and entertainment. The fantasy leagues will provide banter amongst friends and money won or lost betting won't affect you. I won't be betting this year because I crossed the line of moderation and into addiction, which isn't any fun at all. No duh. The money wasn't ever the issue since our financial security has never been threatened, but I was so distracted I wasn't able to be present with the, love, with the ones I love and caused a lot of harm. 
you know, again, excellent, uh, excellent statement. I have no issues with this. I'm happy Phil Mickelson is uh, both, it seems like from his statement, which I'll re- again repost to Twitter, twitter.com slash sports OT rocks, or just at sports OT rocks if you are big on the X or Twitter. Um, a very long statement. That's one paragraph of four paragraphs. Uh, it wraps up this football season and beyond. Enjoy yourself with moderation so it doesn't distract from your ability to be present. In my experience, the moments with the ones you love will be far more remembered than any bet you win or fantasy league triumph. This coming from the man who bet a billion dollars. Um, you know, again, I'm all about him getting the help he needs. But it's very Phil Mickelson on the third week of the NFL season at 2.27 p.m. Eastern time to tell his millions of followers that he won't be betting. Maybe just don't bet. I feel like this is a weird take to have. But you know what is a weirder gambling story than Phil Mickelson telling us he's not gambling? FanDuel. Wow. If you're not betting on FanDuel, you're betting on one of the other sites like DraftKings or Bet365 or Caesars or one of the many legal sports books now. Some of you still hiding under the covers, uh, meeting a guy in a back alley. But many people using sports books. Uh, DraftKings loves to announce these crazy wins that I'm sure are intended to bring in more better ship. Um, but this story is actually pretty crazy. So FanDuel pays out $20 million on house-made kicker parlay. House-made kicker parlay, what does that entail? So somebody at FanDuel was like, we should make this parlay, and people will bet it because it's such a crazy deal. Um, plus 20000 is what we're going to make this parlay to entice people to bet it, right? Um. So $100 wins $20,000. Not a bad deal. Each team scores one plus field goals in the 1 p.m., 4.05 p.m., and 4.25 p.m. Eastern Time games. And what happens is it hits. Holy moly guacamole, this bet hits. FanDuel makes a big deal. They announce it. Hey, everybody wins $20 million. What they don't announce is all the money that they took in from all the other bets. But $20 million, it's uh, it's like a coupon. They gave everybody a coupon. They said, here's a bet. Win some money. We're getting it back anyway. Um, so obviously other sports books lowered this odds. Like DraftKings offered it for 30 to 1. Um, FanDuel eventually, after seeing so much money pour in on it, lowered it from 200 to 130 to 1. But... What a bet. Honestly, and it looks like it was announced on a Discord as well. Um, and if you – I'll throw out some free promo for a Discord channel uh, by the tag is at JD Gold Boys. So JD Gold Boys tweeted out at 10 a.m. on that uh, – I'm sorry, on uh, week two football Sunday. They went uh, – oh, this is week two um, that we're finishing up. Moving on to week three. We're in week two. They go, uh, worth a dollar. Hmm. Also, J.D. Goldboy is going on to place many, many dollars. 
$700 and then $884 to be exact uh, for payouts. Um, $884 pays only $177,000. $700 pays roughly $140,000. I would imagine his account is about to get toggled and he will no longer be allowed to bet as much money on his bets anymore. Or her. I don't know. who. I would imagine J.D. Golden Boys. It's a, a man or a group of men. But, yeah, if you the Gold, Gold Boys Discord, they're charging $50. It seems like a lot of money to win a little money if you're only placing a dollar. But who knows? But moving on from the segment A Little Chaser and moving on to a little segment I like to call McVeigh or Won't Vey. Hmm. If you watch the Rams 49ers game or bet on it, <clears throat> some of us, final score was 30-23 San Francisco. San Francisco pretty much controlled the majority of this game. Um, I love the Rams. I love the Rams plus seven and a half. I loved it at eight and a half. I loved it at nine and a half. Uh, that line plummeted on Sunday morning to seven and a half. The over-under is 44 and a half. Typically, these matchups, pretty low scoring. Divisional game. You're at home in LA. Obviously, short trip for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, they just play these games close. The 49ers probably going to go back to the Super Bowl. The Rams probably not going to the Super Bowl or winning their division or getting the wild card. But Stafford looks healthy this year. Um, he Honestly, he looks great. Uh, so many pa- I watched a lot of this game. So many passes to receivers. Um, I think they're all wearing these stupid sticky gloves now. And I, I have never seen more passes go right into receivers' hands and right out of the receivers' hands. And Stafford's in there literally berating it looks like himself or the receivers. They're all kids. You know, I'm Matthew Stafford. I don't know how old Matthew Stafford is now. Let's take a look. Matthew Stafford. Also, enough of Matthew Stafford's wife. Tired of hearing from his wife. I think she has a podcast. They're in L.A. now, so they think he he's a Georgia kid, you know, went to UGA. He's 35 years old from Tampa, Florida. So he's a Southern boy. And, uh, you know, his, his wife doesn't keep him out of the damn news um, with her comments on her podcast. But, yeah, so the news from this game, uh, not that the Rams cover this game, but in the way that they cover it. McVay goes down, kicks a meaningless, seconds left on the clock, meaningless field goal to go from 30 to 20 to 30 to 23, so if you're somebody who might have the seven and a half, you're a Rams, Rams better, you're a winner in this game. Excuse me. Jeez Louise. If you're a 49ers better, you lost this on a meaningless field goal at the end. Uh, especially after Christian McCaffrey has 20 carries, 116 yards and a touchdown, three catches for 19 yards. Um and you've really just controlled this game. The spread does not show the final score. I'm sorry, the final score does not show what was going on in the game. I mean, the Rams defense really held in as long as they could. Um, <laughs> but the, the Niners just ran all over them whenever they wanted. Uh, CMC looks healthy. 
um, which means he is an MVP candidate, and the Niners have a strong chance behind Brock Purdy and really their same defense from last year to, again, go to the Super Bowl. Um, but interesting, this made great news over the last few days. Because um, for good reason, lots of betters and people watching sports went, wow, this spread is seven and a half. And he's kicking a field goal to lose by seven after being down by 10. Why is he not going for a touchdown to at least take a shot? Now, in the past, uh, whenever stuff like this has happened, the coach always comes out and he goes, well, we're playing for tiebreakers. And it, I think I was reading somewhere the the tiebreaker for, uh, I guess, a losing uh, amount of points lost is like the ninth tiebreaker behind, obviously, stuff like division finish, um, division matchups, wins and losses, a slew of things. Ninth. It's ninth on this list. And the first thing that they said when this happened was, uh, yeah, of course he, you know, of, of course he uh, he kicked it for the tiebreakers. Hmm. Well, finally, McVay has a respon- response. Uh, this coming uh, reported from pro football talk word salad is the way they described it that's cute what we were trying to do is uh, this is coming from sean mcfay what we were trying to do is we were trying to be able to get a completion to where we kicked the field goal beforehand with the opportunity to be able to if we had hit that deep in breaking route it really would have worked out the way we wanted to he goes on to say we were going to try to kick a field goal once we got into field goal position to then be able to kick an onside and try to give ourselves the real opportunity to win the game. By the time it got down to it, I didn't anticipate that in-cut that we hit Puka Nakua, which, by the way, the kid was insane, running that long and just said, all right, go ahead and kick the field goal. Hmm. 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 He goes on to say, I felt like it was an opportunity to be able to not leave Matthew Stafford susceptible to an unnecessary heave to, end, to the end zone and get an opportunity for a field goal operation. The initial goal was to try to get a two-for-one where to where you end up getting into field goal range a little bit earlier with some of the play selections that we had and then ultimately be able to try to have an onside kick to then be able to go try to compete, to tie, or to win the game. Apparently, Rams VP of Communications, Artis Tweeman, hopefully I said that right, told me there's a lot of people in Vegas pissed off, yeah, about that decision. I clearly was not aware of that stuff. Now, as we talked about earlier, lots of people gambling, lots of sports books, legal sports books. NFL players and coaches want us to believe that they have no idea what the spreads and the totals are or even what their individual props are. Now, if you know any player and how and, and, and coach and how dedicated they are to their crafts, how much time they put in, how much film they watch, how much they know about the other players, how much they know about the players on their own teams, do you think Sean McVay, who knows everything and is a sicko and lives NFL football literally since he was a baby – doesn't know what the point spread is and that his field goal wins it against the spread? Now, alternative side. I'm cool with this. 
I actually love the Rams. I loved them at eight and a half. I loved them at seven and a half. I didn't expect it to come down to a last second field goal that probably shouldn't have been kicked, but I was okay with the result. Maybe if I had the the 49ers in this game, minus seven and a half, I uh, maybe would have felt stronger, stronger about this, but I'm not a loser. So I had the Rams plus the seven and a half. I just find it hard to believe that the NFL wants us to think that players and coaches don't know what's going on on the spreads. It's kind of ridiculous. Um, and especially now with gambling being so intertwined with the major sports associations like the NFL, the NBA, um, and they have pons- sponsorships um, sponsorships and partnerships, the NFL truly needs to be more transparent about these issues. Um we see players, Calvin Ridley, last year, who's beasting out this year. I'm happy for him because the only thing he did wrong was place a shitty parlay. Um, I don't think players should be allowed to be betting on the games. I don't think coaches should be allowed to be betting on the games. But if one player or two players are betting on the games, lots of them are betting on the games. And like gambling had been for many years, um, in the shadows, unknown, off the books, I feel like now with more sports books being available than ever before, I feel like we know less about what goes on within these associations, um, especially with the NBA. I feel like the NBA is you know, five guys on the court. The refs we know, Donahue came out with a whole book. You know, the, the mob basically controlled all of his calls and – they had meetings pre pre games, and if you don't think the NFL, a, a multi 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 billion dollar league with interests around the world, controlled by thirty two billionaires, doesn't have influence on how their games end, or how gambling, uh, they don't know how gambling is influencing their own games. I think that's a lie. Um, obviously the over under 44 and a half unaffected by the field goal um, rare over in that matchup I feel like they always go under it's like a solid every year you could just bet the under in that game but yeah I'm interested to see how this continues to evolve because you know people are going to continue to be angry about this and and it won't be the last time that an outcome of a game and a silly decision uh, makes hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people lose money. And maybe has millions of dollars transfer hands because of a kick, because they thought blah, 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 blah. All right. Well, that wraps us up. Our segment, McVay or Won't Vay, and takes us to my no-cap recap. Obviously, it's Tuesday. A lot of you already know what happened in these games, so I'm going to briefly touch on every game, starting with my Miami Dolphins. By the way, uh, this is maybe backwards. We'll see if I could flip this video around. Um, This is my Cameron Wake personalized Larimer jersey. I refuse to wear a jersey with another man's last name on it. I do have this Najee Harris jersey. I don't wear it. It is just a lucky jersey because he has had two 
multi-thousand dollar parlay winners for me where he scores and he doesn't have to. Uh, back kind of like a McVeigh. Well, well, you know what? Maybe for the season we'll call those McVeighs. But um, kind of like that Todd Gurley slide at the uh, like within the one or two. And if he scores, lots of people win that anytime touchdown. Uh, if he scores, they cover the spread. If he scores, they hit the over. I actually was a better in that game. Um, Najee Harris is the opposite. He's the the anti Todd Gurley. Now this season he's not playing very good, and the Steelers are not very good, and they don't have a good offensive line. But Najee Harris is almost guaranteed to worry about Najee Harris. If he's in the end zone and he gets a touch, he is scoring a touchdown. It doesn't matter what the score is. It doesn't matter what the game decision is. And that is why I own a Najee Harris jersey, almost like a trophy, if you will. But the Larimer Dolphin jersey, I'm a fan. Miami at New England. New England plus two and a half over under 46. Final score, 24-17 Miami. It was one of those games as a Dolphin fan. You knew that they were going to be in this game. I, I, the Patriots, that is. They were going to be allowed in this game the entire game. I don't know what it is about New England. I don't know what it is about uh, this matchup and this rivalry. But this this game is always close. I didn't take Miami in this game because I am a Miami fan. The Patriots are bad. Miami, good. Patriots bad, Miami good. This hasn't been true all seasons. Obviously, I've been on the losing half of some of these bets in this matchup. But this year, Miami is the real deal. Raheem Mostert is dominating. 18 rushes, 121 yards. Nobody on the team even close. Distinguishing himself as the clear number one back, barring injury. Knock on wood. Two touchdowns, not one, but two touchdowns. Tyreek Hill has completely dominated every time he plays the New England Patriots. As a Dolphin, however, in three games versus the Patriots, he has never cracked 100 yards. On the Chiefs, he had crazy games, like over 150 yards a couple times. Um, Pats held him to only 40 yards. Waddle, however... ooh. Take me back. Waddle, however, had an insane game. He had a Waddle game. It's because the first game he, he kind of was just the uh, distraction as Tyreek just mounted the yards. Waddle four receptions, eighty six yards, along a thirty two six targets. It was fantastic. I really wanted him to get in the end zone. I even texted uh, my dad, big Dolphins fan. I wanted to get him in the end zone, even on that last drive. I want to see him do a little Waddle waddle dance. Probably one of the best touchdown celebrations in sports. When Jalen Waddle gets in there and he puts his hands on his his hips and he does a little boop, 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 boop. Oh, love it. Love it. Love Penguins. Love Jalen Waddle. Love the Dolphins. However, Waddle getting demolished on uh, one of his catches later in the game. Um... And experiencing a concussion, which kind of sucked. Loved him to find the end zone on that last drive. And actually, the concussion was a great catch. However, um, they ended up giving it up on that drive. Um, This game, not without controversy, however. uh, Mac Jones getting the ball. Last drive of the game. Down seven. 
comes out fourth and four at the Miami 33, obviously down the touchdown. Controversy. Doom. Gloom. Pats get one last drive, obviously. Jones lines up. Ironically enough, passes it to Mike Jacecki. Mike Jacecki, I think, famous Dolphin. Uh, I feel like whenever we needed something done, uh, we as the, the Miami Dolphins, Mike Jacecki was there. Mike Jacecki was like, he was like, uh, you know, he's like a boys and girls club big brother, you know? Like when you needed him, he was there. You were having a rough game, Mike Jacecki's there for a catch. You're in the end zone, everybody's covered. Mike Jacecki's wide open. And if he's not wide open, you throw it up there, and guess what? Mike Jacecki's going to come down with that ball. Not surprising the Patriots feel the same way after watching it happen to them many times. Throw it to Mike Jacecki. Tackled immediately. Waiting for the whistle, waiting for the whistle, waiting for the whistle. No whistle! <laughs> I, I swear... I, the the refs kind of do whatever they want, which honestly, as you know, as a sports fan, you love to see them let, like to see the refs let them play sometimes, as long as you're not on the team that is experiencing the letting them get away with it. Refs let it play, which is incredible because it gives us a moment to talk about all week, which is a lateral from Mike Jacecki to a big man who catches it, runs for the first down, gets tackled boom first down call it on the field first down as a dolphin fan again i'm like whatever it, i mean there's a little time on the clock i don't doubt the defense is going to step up the dolphins are still going to win this game the first down obviously a little worrisome would have preferred them not get a first down but then they go to the review booth love it review booth they show a million sides of the play. Knee comes down. Hand comes down. It looks like it's a first down. They must have looked at a million angles or just had a zoom feature or something. I don't know. But they end up seeing that when his knee comes down and his elbow comes down, the ball is not where his elbow is. The ball is short. Overturn it. Dolphins win the game. I've never in my entire life of watching NFL football, in when they do those pile plays where uh, whoever has the ball gets in there, they pile in. Whatever that call is, you can't see the ball clearly. The call stands. They go, ah, we just can't see it. Now, I don't know if this is new technology or they were just trying to wrap it up and get home. Maybe the refs had a dinner reservation. But for them to overturn this... And you know what? They were right. They've replayed. I've watched a thousand angles of this play. They replay this, and you could clearly see the ball is short. Dean Blandino's on the call. He's going, yep, it's short. You could see the marker. They're going. They're drawing a straight line. They're seeing the ball stops here. The marker's there. Even though there's bodies and arms in front of it, you see that the ball is here in his hand. The line is here. His elbow's in front of the line, but the ball is not. Fr- Regardless, I was, I've never been happier. Uh, the game ended. Fantastic Sunday night game. Rarely do the Dolphins get a primetime game. This season, they're bowling. So, Sunday night game, which wraps it up. So, Dolphins cover the two and a half. 
the under hits, which under was a solid play. I think the public was on New England and the I want to New England and the under, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so double double hit. Loved Miami. Loved the under. Loved Tua. Glad he's healthy. Glad he's playing fantastic. MVP candidate. Um, I just hope Waddle's okay. He's in concussion protocol for the week. And we'll see how that ends up. Now, the 1 p.m. slate. Mm. Green Bay at Atlanta. Falcons are plus three. Over under 40 and a half. Final 25-24 Atlanta. This was a game they announced prior to kickoff that Aaron Jones was not playing, which moved the line from one and a half. I'm sorry, it moved the line from three to one and a half. Or maybe vice versa. Don't quite remember. But I kind of love the Packers in this matchup. I, I thought the Aaron Jones news was kind of kind of a facade. Like Aaron Jones is a big deal for the Packers when we see that, you know, A.J. Dillon can step in whenever he wants and get them exactly the same amount of yards. Um, Atlanta, I thought, a little bit of an overreaction week one. However, Bijan Robinson. I used to work with a guy named Bijan. Thought it was a weird name. Bijan like the dog. Apparently, there are other men named Bijan. But Bijan Robinson, 19 carries, 124 yards. I'll throw up again on Twitter at Sports OT Rocks. Some of his plays are insane video game plays where he's running full speed, stopping on a dime, cutting, running full speed, stopping on a dime, cutting. Obviously, I mean, he's not quite playing against top tier talent yet. Packers defense, okay. But 124 yards in your second game as a rookie, along of 19, uh, is really, really impressive. Um, and Desmond Ritter continues to control the ball for them. 19 for 32, 237 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Also sprinkling a little 10 carries, 39 yards, and a touchdown, long of nine. So really a game controller. Um, Jordan Love, though. Three touchdowns, those three touchdowns coming at a stat line of 14 for 25, 151 yards. So not quite fantastic. But I, you know what? I'm really happy for the Packers. You say, you know, Rodgers who? Rodgers who? I didn't think Jordan Love was good. And he still may not be good, but six touchdowns through two games is pretty good. It's more touchdowns than Aaron Rodgers. But. The Falcons go to 2-0 on this game. Obviously, the Falcons the Falcons cover at home. And this game goes over. Hmm. It makes you think. But Desmond Ritter, completely serviceable. I don't see either of these either of these teams making the playoffs, but you never know with the Falcons. And they deserve it. I feel like uh you know, after all those Matt Ryan years of, uh, you know, mediocrity and, and, you know, 20, 
28 to 3 comments and stuff. I would like to see the Falcons uh, get a little gritty, get a little get a little in the mix. Um, I don't mind the Packers, though, but this was a game I, I, I got thrown off by Aaron Jones being out, and I, uh, I was a sucker. I, I switched my pick. But we move on. Raiders at Bills. Bills around minus eight, over and under 47, depending on when you got the lines. Final 38-10 Buffalo. Uh, this was a game, if you're in a Survivor League, you slam the Bills if you didn't slam them week one and lose already because they played the Jets. Um, this was a game that you, you if you saw, I'm, I'm in a, a, quite a few pick'em leagues, um, did not go with them in my Survivor pools, but you, you have to. The Raiders are terrible. The Raiders are bad. The the Bills, you don't know if they're re- truly fantastic yet. Um, this comment from Allen's a little weird. It's quoted as saying, I love feeling how I felt last week. What? I really do, because it makes the good feel that much better. That sounds like a, that sounds like a drug addict. I take the bad with the good. I understand it, and I'm just trying to let it fuel me and use it to my benefit. I feel like he's talking himself off a ledge with this comment. Um, their schedule, though, pretty okay the next few weeks. Their schedule for the season, honestly, not that bad. I don't think they're winning this division behind the Dolphins, but their next four up commander at Commanders, at home against the Dolphins, at home against the Jags, at home against the Giants, uh, three out of four home games. Then they got at Patriots and at home against the Bucks. Those might be a little tough, but uh, I don't. I, I wouldn't confuse uh, their struggles against the Jets week one uh, with all those interceptions from Allen that the Bills will not be in the mix. A lot of people have them in the Super Bowl. I don't know about all that. Again, Dolphins. But uh, I could see them beating the Commanders in Washington. I don't see them beating the Dolphins at, in Miami. Um, I could see them meeting the Jags and the Giants. I mean, I could. They're probably going to go something like, uh, you know, in a, 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 I could see them make making maybe maybe making the wild card, um, just because I, I I don't know if their schedule allots them not having enough wins. The rest of it, they play the Broncos, they play the Bengals. Even though it's in Cincinnati, the Bengals. Uh, I don't know if they're going to have Burrow by then. He looks so injured. Um, they got the Jets again at home, though, this time. I can't imagine that'll be a loss. Um, Eagles and Phillies tough. Chiefs in Kansas City is tough. Cowboys will be tough. Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to watch the Bills. Um, but a game like 38-10 to 10 is a game you go, oh, why did I not hammer the Bills minus eight? I think it was eight and a half, too, at a certain point. Bills fans rejoice. Allen, not all that bad. Though he, he does still look a little rusty. Maybe he's injured. You never know. Some of the when you throw three inter, uh, uh well, I guess he had uh, three touchdowns week one, uh, or three touchdowns in this last game. But uh, you know, three interceptions week one. The Jets are defense is good, but some of those passes were like punts, you know? Um but how often is he going to have one of those games? Especially with when you go back to his mindset with that comment, where he's like, "I, I, I, 
I live for the dark or whatever. You know, the, he sounds like Bane in these. Um, but yeah, enough of the Bills. Over the Bills. Moving on to Baltimore at Cincinnati. Uh, Cincinnati minus three and a half. Over-under was 45. Final 27-24 Baltimore. This was a game that it they always play it close. It seemed too good to be true that, I mean, obviously Baltimore had an easy week one win. J.K. Domid's out. You're thinking Cincinnati has to win this by a touchdown at home, you know? Um, and it was never... I mean, I, I guess it was close, but you never felt like Cincinnati was going to win this game, even uh, you know on their last drive when they have a shot to win it. There was no chance. After the last touchdown, Burrow limps off, which uh, if you're a Cincinnati fan, should have you worried. Um, especially with Jamar Chase starting to get impatient. Um, Jamar Chase not used to losing. When Joe Burrow's your quarterback, you came from LSU, you win a national championship, you're an all-pro wide receiver, rookie of the year. I have a feeling that this season is going to be a little tough for Cincinnati. So all, all of you with Super Bowl futures on Cincinnati, cash them out now if you're able to. And if you're not able to, um, maybe hammer Baltimore to win that division. Um, Jamar Chase not used to losing. Coming out with comments uh, – like some go routes tell, telling uh, the media what he thinks they should be doing to improve as a team. Some go routes in there, just some downfield shots. Maybe we'll move me around some more and we'll just see some adjustments. Who knows? I'm getting a lot of bubble screens, so definitely got to take some more shots. Like I said, no dodge, Amar Chase. You feel like they should be throwing the ball deep to you more? I've never heard that from any wide receiver ever. Um, but... As this year goes on, if Joe Burrow is is not healthy, which, uh, you know, it's coming out today. Let's do a quick update. Uh, it's calf injury. Um, that he doesn't know if he's going to start this week, which is not something you want to hear if you're a Bengals fan because that will be a lingering injury the whole year. You expect him to come in this season and be healthy. I don't know if they rushed it. I don't know if he should have just sat the first, you know, four to six weeks. Yeah, I, I feel like Jamar Chase, um, the Bengals don't know what Jamar Chase is capable of yet. Not on the field, off the field. Um, I love Jamar Chase, but giving wide receivers all the best ones are divas or Debos. I'm not sure what the appropriate term is. But um, I think that if they do not start to win, you're going to start hearing rumblings every week and commentary every week from him. Um Especially if he start, I don't even know who who's the Cincinnati backup now. Is it still Andy Dalton? Can't be Andy Dalton. We might see him this week. Ooh, it's Jake Browning. Jake Browning. He's twenty seven from Washington. This is his first season, so he's a rookie. Ooh, you know what? Jamar Chase is gonna love that. A rookie backup who has never started in the NFL. Uh, you think he's gonna be finding you downfield? I don't think so. It's also the offensive line's having a tough time this year. But, yeah. I mean, Baltimore, if you if you thought three and a half in a Baltimore-Cincinnati matchup was too many points, you were correct. Um, three and a half is always a weird line. I also – it's another one of those games. I love the under, and they, they went over. His first few weeks, you always can target unders. But this year – 
uh, so far, um, people following that trend are getting crushed. <laughs> a lot of like, all the first slate. Um, I'm sorry, the, the the late slate in this week. Uh, I think every game went over, uh, and the unders were low. It was like 38 and a half. We'll go over it soon. 38 and a half. You know, of 40, 37. So, you know, for you to be taking those unders and for them to hit in 51 plus is rough. But Cincinnati, good luck with Jamar Chase. Moving on, probably one of the more exciting games of the week, uh, definitely of the early slate, Seattle at Detroit. Detroit minus five and a half, over under 47. Final in OT, 37-31 Seattle. Loved the over in this game. I put it on Twitter. Again, twitter.com, at sports, OT rocks. This was a game, I love the over. The Detroit, all this talk about their defense in the first game. See, the Seahawks have no defense. Legion of Boom is Legion of Gone. They are long gone. You got them talking on the, uh, you know, they're... They're old guys on other teams, hurt, or on talk shows at this point. So when you're watching the Seahawks, don't remember defense of older year or, or yesteryear. Remember that their offense is explosive as long as Geno Smith does not feel too much pressure like he did against the Rams, which, by the way, I picked the Seahawks in my one of my Survivor Leagues week one because the Rams were supposed to be terrible. Um, and then the Seahawks just could not control Aaron Donald in that game. Neither here nor there. Um, again, I released the over on my uh, my 1 p.m. picks on Twitter. Um, it was never a doubt. 47. They got 68 points. This game goes to overtime on a last uh last-stitch field goal drive by the Lions, which was fantastic. This was the game when I, I'm watching Red Zone. I got the YouTube TV. I'm watching Red Zone. I'm watching the game. I'm switching solely to Seattle-Detroit to see how this game finishes. But when it goes to overtime, there's not a chance in hell that the Lions are winning this game. The Lions love playing these games close. The fact that they could even come back they were down as much as 10 in this game at one point. They were lucky to come back. The Seahawks let them back in. When it gets to overtime, we get a drive of uh, <laughs> nine plays, 75 yards from the Seahawks. The Seahawks, Pete Carroll, Geno Smith, excuse me. They've seen it before. They've done it before. You get to overtime. Excuse me. They're driving straight down. And when you're watching it too, you're like the the energy in the stadium just deflates. Like they they the Detroit had the lead at a certain point. You know they grabbed the lead at one point. It's it's fourteen seven, then it's twenty one fourteen, then it's twenty one seventeen. Uh, really up until the end of the third, um, it it looks like or I'm sorry, until the end of the fourth, it looks like they're gonna win this game. Um, but an overtime game, it was fantastic. Uh, again, love the over. I had Seattle in my pick'em leagues. Five and a half is too much with the Lions. We'll see how their the team continues to grow and develop. They're all all young. Uh, Montgomery gets hurt. Um, don't know if he's going to start this week. They're releasing stuff now. 
16 carries, 67 yards, and a touchdown, long of 16. He was on fire until he got hurt. The rushing for Seattle, non-existent. Kenneth Walker, 17 carries, 43 yards. Super disappointing. As a fellow Ken, I'm disappointed in you, Kenneth. Kenneth Walker the third. This Ken is disappointed in you. Geno Smith has half as many yards. Metcalf looked great, got hurt, comes back because he's a machine. Six receptions, 75 yards. Tyler Lockett, two touchdowns. Tyler Lockett's one of those uh, wide receivers where if you're betting him for an anytime touchdown, he doesn't get it. And then when he does get it, he gets two. He's just that. He, I mean, 10 targets, which is always open. They, uh, they must have been all over Metcalf. But I guess, you know what, after Metcalf got, got hurt, he probably got some more targets on there. But excellent game to watch. Love an overtime game, which brings us to our next overtime game. Chargers at Titans. Titans were plus two and a half over under 46. Release this game on Twitter. Twitter at Sports OT Rocks. I bought it to three and a half. Titans plus three and a half was easy. There's no way this game was going to be more than a field goal match. It ends up the Titans win this game straight up. My same game parlay hit. Derrick Henry touchdown, over 80 rushing yards. Seemed easy. Seemed easy. Titans plus three and a half. Same game parlay, which was on FanDuel, plus 210. Easy picks. Derrick Henry got 80 yards rushing. I looked at my phone. It said 79. I don't know what happened. It said 79 on ESPN. FanDuel grades it 80. I don't know how they gave him the extra yard, but I'll take it. It was a game I thought he was going to get 100 yards. Chargers announcing Eckler's not playing. I thought the Titans would try and control this game. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Uh, and they they did. But Tannehill looked great. 20 for 24, 246 yards and a touchdown. Um, Derrick Henry, they gave him the ball 25 times. Give him the rock and watch what he does with it. Long of 23, just trucking people. L.A. rushing non-existent without Eckler. But the the Titans' defense is okay. They're decent. They keep them in the game. They're not going to bomb it out anywhere. Uh, none of the receivers really, really showed off. Uh, Tr- Traylon Burks for uh, Tennessee had a long of 70. Gets four targets, three receptions, 76 yards. So on two receptions, he's getting six yards. So it wasn't like anybody really balled out. Uh, same with Chris Moore. Chris Moore. One reception, 49 yards, along a 49, no duh, one target. So his one target is a 49-yard bomb. And then Hopkins staying in the mix. He's an oldie but a goodie. Four receptions, five targets, 40 yards, long of 14. He's getting in there. He's staying in there. He'll be worth at least a touchdown in one of these games. He'll have a game where he has two touchdowns and like 110 yards, and you'll go, wow, he's good again. And then the next game he'll have a four for 40. Um, but the Titans are frisky. I'm into the Titans. I'm into it. Good color scheme, too. Love it. Which brings us to probably one of the more ugly color scheme matchups of the day. Chicago Bears at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Bucks were minus 2.5, over under 40.5. Final score, 27-17. Tampa Bay Bucks. Score is closer than the game felt. It, not going to lie, it was a game that was on red zone that I caught every once in a while. Bucks minus 2.5. Pick I gave away on Twitter at Sports OT Rocks. Pretty much that's all I have to say about it. I feel bad for 
I feel bad for Bears fans. They felt like this year they were young and this was going to be, you know, sophomore year for, uh, you know, uh, sophomore year for uh, Justin Fields. He just, their offensive line sucks. Their defense is not good. Chase Claypool finds the end zone, which is kind of nice. DJ Moore is 104 yards. I feel like they're rolling out like the, uh, you know, the bad news bears. You say DJ Moore, Chase Claypool, you know, the Khalil Herbert. This is a team that will probably look completely different next year. Um, and for good reason, because I don't know how many games they win this year, but whatever the over-under was, I you, the under is probably safe if you bet that. Um, but yeah, I, uh, the, but the Bucks look okay. Baker, 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 26 of 34, 317 yards and a touchdown. He looks healthy. That's always a plus. Mike heaven, uh, <clears throat> my heavens, Mike Evans looks healthy. Six receptions, 171 yards and a touchdown long as 78 targets. Chris Godwin's in the mix, 5 for 58, long of 24, 8 targets. Uh, Rashad White. I mean, if Rashad White keeps playing like this, they got nothing to worry about. But, yeah, I mean, the defense plays strong. uh, Tampa Bay's, uh, they have some tough games ahead. They've got the Eagles, then the Saints, then the Lions. Uh, Saints at New Orleans. That'll be a tough matchup. Under alert, under alert, whatever that under is in that game, um, I would hammer that. That's a look ahead. Write it down in your journal. Um, but the rest of their schedules, <laughs> Texans, Titans. Uh, I mean, the Niners in, in San Francisco is tough. The Bills in, in Buffalo is tough. But they got the Falcons twice. They have the Packers in Green Bay, but it's by the end of the year. Who knows what the Packers will look like by December 17th. Um, they got the Jags at the end of the year, the Panthers at the end of the year, the Saints again at the end of the year at home. I don't know what their season is going to look like, but I don't know. I kind of like them in the NFC South. But again, mark it on your calendars. I'm giving this away now. Whatever the spread is, over under total, October 1st at New Orleans, take the under. Tampa Bay, New Orleans, mark it down, moving on, Kansas City at Jacksonville, <sighs> Jacksonville, plus three and a half at home, seems like a no-brainer, over under 51, lots of offense, of course, final score 17-9, Kansas City, Mahomes has a reconnection with his partner in crime, Travis Kelsey gets his touchdown. Mahomes, I mean, has a decent nope. Mahomes has a decent game. 29 to 41, 305, two touchdowns, one interception. I mean, he's can throw a sack in there. I mean, just Trevor Lawrence not doing anything. 22 41, 216 yards. ETN doesn't look good. 40 40 yards, 12 carries. And you expect I mean, for him to, for them to beat Kansas City, he needs to have 100 yards. They need to completely control the ball. They need to keep the ball out of Kansas City offense's hands. Um, Christian Kirk, 110 yards, 11 receptions, 14 targets. Calvin Ridley taking a backseat, eight targets, but only two receptions for 32 yards. But who cares? 
Evan Ingram, six receptions, 57 yards. This is a loss. They're losing this game. I'm, I I, mean, tr- tr- Trevor Lawrence I- fumbling the ball twice, maybe something to do with it. Maybe. But, boy, if you – if I, I this was a game I uh, – I liked Kansas City minus the three and a half. I think the divisional matchup, you know, it was one of those games Kelsey comes back. Plus, I don't know if you've heard. Of course you've heard. Rumor is Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey. T. Swift, T. Kelsey. So maybe... Travis is using that Swifty energy and really bringing Kansas City to overcome these these close games. Um, obviously, all rumors, but I don't know. Apparently, Taylor Swift stepped out in NYC September 8th wearing a teardrop-shaped pendant set with an opal, which all my birthstone girlies out there just so happens to be the ball-playing Libra's birthstone. Travis Kelsey, Opal. Hmm, the more you know. Also, thanks to Page Six for that one. Uh, really doing a deep dive on Taylor Swift, Travis Kelsey, dating rumor news. Giving us some fodder. Uh, honestly, if I had known that ahead of time, um, that she was rocking around with Travis Kelsey's birthstone, I probably would have double-hammered Kansas City to win this game. Um, I mean, the man can't do any wrong. Um, But this takes us to probably the least exciting game of the 1 p.m. slate. Colts at Texans. Texans plus one and a half over under 40 and a half. The final 31-20 Colts. Now, this was a game, if you bet this game, you need a hobby. If you watch this game, you're either from Indy or Houston or you're an Indy Houston transplant, because why you're watching the Colts play the Texans week two when all these other games were going on. You could have watched Chargers, Titans. You could have watched Seattle-Detroit. All these excellent divisional matchups, Baltimore-Cincy. Excuse me. And you went with Indy Houston. If this was a regional game, I'm so sorry. Get YouTube TV. News from this game, other than the fact that uh, the Colts won. I picked the Colts in my pick'em league. It was a no-brainer pick. I just, you know, like the Texans are bad. Texans are a team, no matter who they play this year, if you just bet against them, you'll probably end up winning, you know, 14 of 17 of those bets. Now, if you're betting Texans games, you might need to talk to Phil Mickelson because why are you betting Houston Texans games? Maybe throw them in a parlay, but other than that, disappointing news for the Colts, though. Um, losing their quarterback. Very disappointing. Drafted Anthony Richardson. Um, goes 6 for 10, 56 yards. Not super exceptional, except the fact that he had two rushing touchdowns before he got knocked out of the game. And Gardner Minshew took over. 19 to 23, 171 yards and a touchdown. C.J. Stroud on the other side, 30 and 47. 30 for 47, 384 yards, two touchdowns. Sacked a bunch, six sacks, 47 yards. Uh, I heard a stat. I think he has 
he has 12 sacks so far this year. He's on pace for the most sacks on any quarterback in the history of the NFL. Don't feel bad for him. That's what happens when you're a top pick. Um, he will be there next year, and hopefully they'll have a top pick again, and they could draft him some offensive line help. But really disappointing to see uh, Anthony Richardson knocked out of this game. Um, concussion, so he's not dead. But he will return probably not next week, or the, but probably the week after. I can't imagine the Colts think they're making the playoffs this year or uh, have a shot at a winning season where they wouldn't let their first-round franchise pick rest up from his concussion. Um, but yeah, overall, again, if you watch this game, you're a real sick fuck. Uh, final 31-20 Colts. Easy cover. Easy over. And that was the end of the 1 p.m. slate. Moving on. 4 p.m. slate. We talked about the 49ers and the Rams already. Um, so we're going to quickly skip over that. And we'll make our way to Giants cards. Again, another pick. If you're in a survivor pool, you're going hammer whoever's playing against the cards. The problem with that is the cards will end up winning three games this season. Three or four games. Somehow, some way, they will win three or four games. You better not hope that your survivor pick, your last longer pick, your last few dollars in your sports betting account are on the team that they're playing in those weeks. They're going to be huge, huge underdogs. You'll probably be able to get them at like plus 280 or plus 350 or something great, plus 400. And they're going to beat a team. They're going to beat somebody. And when that happens you better hope you're not on the wrong side of that win. But this game, honestly, looked like that game. It looked like a game that if you had the Giants minus four and a half, uh, it was an easy winner over under 39 and a half. But this final, 31-28 Giants, I'm watching some of this game. I'm in New York. This is on at the bar. It's on regionally. I'm not choosing to watch this game, though I do have the UTTV. So unfortunately, it's just one of the four. I'm watching the quad, my own quad, red zone. And then uh, I'm putting the Giants cards, Rams 49ers. Like it's put, it's piecing it together for me. So I, I have an option, but I don't really have an option. I want to watch four games. So cards are up 20 nothing at the half. <laughs> And I'm watching this game. The the Giants overall, zero sacks in this game. So not uh, a James Conner, 23 rushes, 106 yards and a touchdown, the Terminator. So you're watching this game and you're, I mean, you're going, the Giants are going to, are going to lose this game. The cards are going to get a win. Are the cards that bad? Yeah, the cards are, the cards are that bad uh, because they end up letting them come back in as Daniel Jones throws 26 of 37, 321 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, overcoming a 21-point deficit at one point uh, and winning this game. 17 solo points in the fourth quarter. Arizona has no answer. Giants sneak a win? I don't think it's going to matter on their season, but... um. These are the these are the wins that you need to get to sell tickets at MetLife. <laughs> Cuz if they lose to the Cardinals, 
they are getting ripped in all the news. The New York Post is railing Daniel Jones. Was he the guy? Why do we pay him so much money? Uh, I personally love to watch the Giants lose. Um, more than the cards, even. I'm not big fan of bird teams, like bird teams. But the Giants love talking shit to people in New York, especially as a Dolphin fan, about how bad the Giants are. Um, but yeah, I uh, this was a game the Cardinals could have won. They covered. If you bet this game, and you, you bet the cards because you were feeling frisky. Moving on, we have... The New York Jets at the Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys minus eight and a half over under 38 and a half. Final was 30 to 10 Dallas. Score was way closer than this in the first half. 18 to 10 Dallas. Jets D looked like they were keeping them into it, keeping them into it. But Zach Wilson just terrible. Three picks in his first start since Rodgers' injury. Um Dallas D looks for real. Dallas D looks is reminiscent of um Honestly, that Jets defense with Mark Sanchez at quarterback that goes to the AFC Championship and does not win. Uh, Dak Prescott, 31 for 38, 255 yards, two touchdowns. Not terrible. Jets only getting in for one sack. So not bringing the pressure that I thought they would have and probably that they thought they would have. Tony Pollard, 25 carries, 72 yards. I, I just always expect him to just ball out. Ever since they got you, when it was him and Zeke, you're like, when are you going to get rid of Zeke? Because whenever Tony Pollard gets the brunt of the workload, he balls. But CeeDee Lamb, the real winner in this game, 11 receptions, 143 yards. Uh, A little banter back and forth between him and Sauce Gardner online. People giving Sauce Gardner a hard time. Oh, you didn't lock him down, da-da-da-da. And then the stats come out, and he was actually only on CeeDee one time in the whole game and that resulted in a in in him not getting a catch so sauce gardner a solid bright spot in this game because they lose 30 to 10 um next game was pretty exciting wrapping up the four o'clock slate washington at denver Denver minus four and a half over under 38 and a half final 35 33 Washington uh <laughs> somehow this game was exciting uh Sam Howell running them down the field um 27 for 39 299 two touchdowns gets sacked a bunch four sacks 33 yards Brian Robinson still balling 18 carries, 87 yards, two touchdowns. Russell Wilson, uh, honestly, had an okay game. 18 for 32, 308, three touchdowns, an interception, six carries, 56 yards, a long run of 15. Very a young Wilson-esque. Um, it was just one of those games where it was like nobody really wanted to play defense. You know, the beginning of the game, it looked like a blowout. It looked like if you had took the commanders in this game, uh, it was a silly decision, and then somehow they come back and they win this game. Uh, it ends up with a, a Broncos onside kick in the end. Don't recover. You're like, game over. They have three timeouts. They call three 
the commanders call three run plays, which don't blame them. Uh, they were up by eight. So you say, why the hell? Why the hell not? Three runs, one plays, punt the ball, see what happens. Broncos stop them on all three runs, three timeouts. And and then I'm watching it on the red zone channel. Broncos run down, and it's just like a video game. Penalty, false start, uh, uh, on Denver, moving them back. So you get started at first and 15. Russell Wilson, short pass, 12 yards. Russell Wilson, incomplete pass. Russell Wilson, incomplete pass. Fourth and three. Guess what? He scrambles for 14 yards, first down. And then uh, first and 10, no huddle. He spikes it. Second and 10, deep left, 16 yards to Sutton. Timeout by Washington. Now they're going, oh, crap. Then, first and 10 at the 50. 50 yards <laughs> pass to Brandon Johnson from Russell Wilson. You're going, oh, my gosh, we're going to get another overtime game. Three for three overtime games today. Let's go. NFL is back. Week two. Dale. And then it's a Russell Wilson pass to Sutton incomplete attempt fails. 35-33 Washington. And that is a very long-winded no-cap recap. Moving on to NFL's Monday Night Football double feature. Uh, and the NFL thinks they're slick. They're like, we're giving you two Monday Night Football games. How exciting is that? Two! And I'm going, yes! It's about time we start getting double features on Monday, you know? Uh, except that they gave us New Orleans at Carolina and the Browns at Pittsburgh. Which ended up actually kind of being exciting games. Um, kicking it off with New Orleans at Carolina. Carolina plus two and a half over under 39. Final score is 20 to 17 in this one. Seems like it was a close one. New Orleans pretty much controlled this game. Uh, Bryce Young led a spread tying drive for many betters at the end. Not if you were me. Again, release the pick at Sports OT Rocks on Twitter slash X. Minus two and a half, easiest bet of all time. Saints, my survivor pick, was never a sweat, never doubted, even at 6-6 at the half. Bryce Young, though, he's okay. He's not that bad. Unfortunately, he's on the Carolina Panthers. Um, it's just, you know, when if, if the defense lets them go behind by two scores, they're just never going to catch up. The Saints defense had Bryce Young flustered the entire game, which is exactly what I thought was going to happen. Um, Bryce Young looks like a good pick, though. Like again, again, he's unfortunately plays for the Carolina Panthers, and uh, he's going to have a very, very long season. They have no chance in that division. Um, and honestly, uh, between the uh, the Saints and them, I'd rather be in Carolina's position. The Saints are over here starting Mike Thomas still, who's on the way out. He's he's a one play away from having the rest of his season done for, though he did get a slew of targets in this game. Alave looks great, but they have Derek Carr throwing to them. Um, funny thing about this game, uh, I loved seeing Taysom Hill come into this game. And uh, if you are a football fan, you know Taysom Hill comes into the game. They are running the ball. He is not throwing the ball. He can't throw. He is strictly a running quarterback option. Comes in the game, they're running the ball. Comes in one time, runs the ball, easy. Comes in the second time. Runs the ball, 
easy. Now the Saints, getting a little ahead of themselves. Comes in again. They line Derek Carr out as a receiver. The defender just literally leaves Derek Carr out there, runs in. Easy tackle for a loss on Taysom Hill. So sometimes the Saints even drink their own Taysom Hill Kool-Aid. They're like, he can't be stopped. And he, he usually can't. But after, you know, first time, shame on me. Second time, shame on you. Third time, tackle Taysom Hill for a loss. I think that's how it goes. Uh, there was a highlight in this game that I loved, retweeted it. It's my second best catch Second best catch of the season. It's Chris Olave. He's holding off a defender with his right arm. He tips the ball with his left fingers, snags it, Hands go under the ball as he hits the ground, catches it. Best, second best catch of the season. The first one was my my reshare. Uh, week one was Garrett Wilson in that infighting in the end zone where he, uh, you know, he has him and the defender are literally one person. There, he, if he's an amoeba, they are amoeba. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he tips the ball to himself with his free right arm and then brings it in for a touchdown. So one arm catches back in the. 2023 NFL season. Also, uh, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, good contenders for best catch of the season already. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Moving on, Monday Night Football, game two of our double feature. Cleveland at the Steelers. Steelers plus two and a half, over under 38 and a half. Final 26-22 Pittsburgh. Quick stats. They were all over the internet if you live on the internet. Pittsburgh 19 and 1 straight up in their last 20 Monday night football games at home in Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Cleveland 1 and 19 straight up in their last 20 at Pittsburgh at Heinz Field. Seems like a no-brainer. I gave it away online Steelers plus 2 and a half. I I would have taken the money line. A lot of their games are decided by under a touchdown anyway. So if you're taking the 2 and a half, you should have taken the money line. The over-under was tricky. It's one of those games where you expect under. It's prime time, divisional matchup, and it looked like they were always going to go over in this game. Um, big prop I liked pregame. Nick Chubb, under 82.5 rushing yards prop. Obviously, he gets hurt. Terrible. Injured in the game. Low tackle. Mike Minka Fitzpatrick. His leg, say this is the leg, and it's supposed to bend this way. It bends this way and is, I mean, it literally was like chopping down a tree. It looked horrendous. And, uh, I mean, his season is over. Coming out today that he pretty much destroyed his knee. Uh, All the CLs that you know and can think of uh, destroyed. Um, It was pretty, I mean, the injury is not funny, but... What was funny was an Adam Schefter tweet as it happened in-game. It kind of raised some alarms for people when it happened because they went, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you would say that. My heart just dropped. Um, And honestly, it was a little premonition because it ended up being true. He is done for the year. Uh, Adam Schefter tweeted, Nick Chubb dislocated his left knee and tore his MCL, PCL, and LCL with cartilage damage. On October 10, 2015, versus Tennessee. He injured the same knee tonight versus Pittsburgh. Now, obviously, clickbait. I clicked it. I liked it. I shared it. Um, 
but when if you watched it live, there was no. I mean, he has to be superhuman. If if his leg the legs don't bend that way, they don't bend that way. They don't they don't bend like that. But you would say the underprop then got lucky. However, I think not. Uh, in four career games, rushing at Pittsburgh, 77, 58, 58, and 65 yards. So never over that prop number at Pittsburgh in his career. And then in nine total matchups against the Steelers, only three games as he's gone over that number. Um, this was a prop that I targeted pregame. Uh, these Pittsburgh-Cleveland matchups are so prevalent. There's so much history behind them. If you do a little deep dive into the stats, the players don't change. They usually keep these players many years, many seasons, so you have real statistical analysis to go into. And Chubb was that that number for me. I also like Pickens anytime touchdown. Didn't touch it, but it was nice to see him get into the end zone. On It was like a 71-yard pass that he was just faster than everybody else on the field. And he was getting to that Jamar Chase kind of uh, territory where you're like, if he doesn't start getting the ball, he is going to start tweeting. Um, this game had a lot going on, though. The announcers even comment, uh, commented on it. Um, game starts, first pass from Deshaun Watson, pick six by Alex Highsmith. But it wasn't like he just threw it directly into the defender's hands. He threw it directly into tight end Harrison Bryan's hands, who pops it up directly into Minka Fitzpatrick's hands. Brian is falling when he pops it up, ends up tackling Fitzpatrick on the fall. Fitzpatrick fumbles, then Highsmith, cornerback, catches it and runs it for 30 yards for a touchdown. So game starts, boom, Steelers interception for a touchdown. Uh, Not too long after, Browns kick it off uh, later in the first quarter. Steelers gunner, I'm not even going to try and say his name. All right, I'll try and say it. Olsuski? Olsuski, using it in a sentence. Olsuski catches the ball just before it goes out of bounds and toe taps in. Except it's a kickoff. So if it goes out of bounds, they bring it to the 40. Instead, he catches it, toe taps. They started the ball at like the 15 or something like that. <laughs> but it was funny watching it live. You're like, what is he doing? And then, nope, yep, he did it. Um, also, I mean, if, if full of plays in this matchup, uh, play at the end of the first quarter, and they really didn't talk about it. Uh, let's see if I remember it correctly. Okay, I had to look it up because I remembered it, and they never talked about it again in the a whole series. First and fifteen, like it looks like eight seconds left in the first. Pittsburgh twenty-three. Pickett's in the shotgun. Passes short. To Olsuski, using it a sentence. Kenny Pickett passes short to Olsuski to the Pittsburgh 36 for negative one yards. And then he fumbles. The fumble, however, was him catching the ball, turning, and immediately getting pummeled and fumbling. It's recovered by Cleveland. <laughs> and then uh, it's, it's hard to even read the, the, the game stats. Recovered by Cleveland, Del Pitt, at the Pittsburgh 37. Then he goes to the Pittsburgh 23 for 14 yards. And then uh, it basically, if you're watching it live, I can't even read the stats. Guy catches the ball, boom, immediately fumbles. Not a catch. It's always never been a catch. 
They never talk about it again. They don't even really review it. They don't talk about it. They they come back from commercial. It's like it never happened. They the commentators never don't really the announcers don't even talk about it. It's very weird. What he catches the ball, it's fumbled. Guy catches it. He fumbles. He fumbles, but he fumbles off because the Cleveland player gets it back. He fumbles it off of Frymuth's helmet. It bounces off. Another Steelers player tries to grab it, but it goes out of bounds. So this whole, they review the whole thing like, oh, they, they start it like, where did it go out of bounds? And they go, oh, what, where did he lose possession? And I'm like, I went all the way back to the beginning. I'm like, that wasn't even a catch. Again, I didn't, I didn't really have a skin in the game. Uh, did like the Steelers plus two and a half. Gave it out on Twitter slash X. But it was one of those plays you're like, I, uh, all the reviews so far this season have been really weird. Um, and if you're uh, like Deshaun Watson, um, you find some things that are weird. You make a burner account. Uh, and what I'm finding it on Twitter, um, <laughs> somebody has found a burner account. Uh, <laughs> and it's called at uh, Gainesville's own. And there's no picture on the profile. There's no followers. There's no following. It was made September, so after the game probably. The name is Free Watson, and it titles uh, the Browns writing, Deshaun Watson speaks to the media after the game, is what he's replying to. And he goes, did he did all he could tonight? Then he goes, his birthday, uh, his birthday party caused his line to not block, because I guess they were giving him shit about him having a birthday party. Uh, then somebody goes, 2019, Deshaun Watson ain't walking through that door. And then the free Watson at Gainesville's own account goes, he's still there. He need help. And then the other person goes, terrible performance by Deshaun Watson. Tonight ends with another awful throw out of bounds. Watson, 22 of 40, 235 yards, touchdown and interception. Browns paid $230 million and gave up six draft picks for this. Then, what is seemingly Deshaun Watson's troll account, uh, burner account, goes, terrible performance? What else could he do except block for himself? I, uh... And then some, somebody else, he still goes. He goes, uh, you know, can't block and play call plays too. And then he keeps going, uh, he got sacked in one second. How could he look rusty? I... I mean, Deshaun Watson, you forget, too, like, he's a kid. You know, obviously he has some uh, really not great things that have come out and that uh, civil suits in the court are uh, splicing and figuring out. Um, But at the end of the day, Deshaun Watson's 28 years old. He's in his 20s. 20-year-olds make stupid decisions, not speaking for everything outside of the football field. Um... 20, I mean, Kevin Durant. He's like a Kevin Durant guy. He has a, why are you making burner accounts? He's also from Gainesville, Georgia. The account is Gainesville, Georgia. Somebody, Twitter sleuths are pretty interesting. That they can, they can, they can, you know, find out all the. Somebody's going and scrolling and finding out that the free Watson account is Deshaun Watson. Um. But yeah, what a fun way to end the NFL week. Um, which brings me. To my next segment. Boulder? I hardly know her. Which brings us to our most watched late night college football game in ESPN history, which was a 10 p.m. start and a 2.30 a.m. finish. I watched it. It was fantastic. 9.3 million viewers watched Colorado State take on Colorado at Colorado. It's the fifth most watched regular season game on the network at any time slot. 
coming into this game, some interesting back and forth. Uh, Colorado State coach Jay Norvell, obviously the comments about how uh, uh, he says, when I talk to grownups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's why my mother, that's what my mother taught me. They're not going to like us, no matter what we say or do. Obviously, people ran with that and said he's a racist and that uh, he's a hater and da 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 Jay Norvell, um, notably the first black coach in Colorado State's history. Interesting. Obviously, racism can take all shapes and forms. Um, maybe a little less racist, a little more tone deaf, uh, which would be why Deion Sanders is uh, the coach that's bringing in the most late-night college football viewers in ESPN's history, and Jay Norvell is the team that he's playing. Um, but the game lived up to the hype. Honestly, it was fantastic. Uh, kept it close, was never a blowout. Um, double OT. Double OT. The biggest, the craziest thing about the double OT was that it shouldn't have been double OT. You're Colorado State. You're 0-1. You're playing Colorado, who's 2-0. Th- this is a game you make a statement. This is a game you want to come out with the comments about uh, wearing sunglasses and hats and blah, blah, blah. This is a game that you go, oh, we're, we made it. We're 23-and-a-half-point underdogs. We were winning this game up until the last drive. Colorado gets the ball in first over- overtime. They score. They kick the extra point. Colorado State gets the ball. They score. Go for two. I don't know what you're doing. How do you not go for two? You are playing for nothing. Colorado State is playing for nothing this year other than pride. I don't know. Do you think that your defense is going to stop Colorado with the fire under them at home after coming back from a deficit in the fourth quarter on a a last-minute drive? This is reminiscent of the Lions game. This was the game you went, oh, you know, the, the Seahawks were not winning this game. Then they came back. They took the lead. You go to overtime. You have to win in overtime. You you can't go to do – college, they go back and forth, they go back and forth, then they have to go for two, right? This was a game that Colorado State should have made a statement. And then when they get the two, they put sunglasses on in the interview as a big FU to Deion Sanders and the Buffalo uh, – the Colorado Buffaloes. Um I don't mind Colorado. I always like Dion. Colorado's Colorado. If you're a hater on Colorado, I don't know what to tell you. Maybe you are racist. I don't know. But one thing's for sure, uh, Jay Norvell, the first black coach in Colorado State's history, probably not racist. I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that as a, as a straight white man with privilege. Um Big news from this game, other than the double overtime and the comments before and after. Uh, Travis Hunter made a splash playing both sides of the ball. Gets knocked out by seemingly what has been decided to be a dirty play by Colorado State safety Henry Blackburn. Play goes as such. Hunter runs up the left, guarded by a defensive back. Ball soars over his head. Watching it live, didn't seem like a dirty play. I only played football for one year. As a child, didn't like the contact, didn't like that uh, uh, seeing stars when my head hit other people. More of a baseball guy. But it didn't seem like a late hit. It might, it might, like if you were in the NFL, it was a late hit. But in college, 
The ball is live. The ball's in play. The ball's on the field of play. It goes just over his head. I mean, I feel like Blackburn made a decision to tackle him before he realized the ball was not going to be caught. They throw the flag. It was warranted. But after the game, it's been reported that Blackburn and his family are receiving death threats, uh, which is completely normal fan activity, especially for college kids. Um, Because if there's – I mean – if there's one thing we should do, it's threaten college kids' families for making mistakes on a football field while they play a game. It's not like they have anything else to worry about, you know? It's not like they go to school full-time, um, and they're really playing uh, to be able to, in some, most cases, go to school. Um, it's their job. So I don't know why he would want to hurt Travis Hunter to the point where he has to go to the hospital after the game. Um, and in the same sentence, I don't know why any normal average thinking fan would make death threats to a child's family who's playing football against a team that you like. But, uh, I, I mean, I'll give it to Dion. The man knows exactly what he's doing. Um, he's been there. He's done that. Uh, he's waited a few, a, a few days and then comes out with a comment uh, where he calls for forgiveness for Colorado State's uh, Henry Blackburn. Um, and his comments are as such. Henry Blackburn is a good player who played a phenomenal game. He made a tremendous uh, hit on Travis on the sideline. You could call it dirty. You could call it he was just playing the game of football. But whatever it was, it does not constitute that he should be receiving death threats. That that's This is still a young man trying to make it in life, a guy that's trying to live his dream and hopefully graduate with honors or degree, uh, committed to excellence and go to the NFL. He does not deserve a death threat over a game. At the end of the day, this is a game. Someone must win, someone must lose. Everybody continues their life the next day. Very unfortunate. I'm saddened if there's any of our fans that's on the other side of those threats. I would hope and pray not, but that kid was just playing the best of his ability, and he made a mistake. So I forgive him, CU, um, our team forgive him. Uh, Travis, is he's forgiven him. Let's move on. But that kid does not deserve that. Love it. Deion Sanders says what we're all thinking. I don't know in, in, in what world he comes out and says, yeah, that's what he deserves. Deion Sanders seems like a man of God. He seems like, uh, you know, as, as arrogant and um, – as arrogant and as cocky as he may come off at times, he's a smart dude, he's respectful, and he definitely doesn't tolerate making death threats to a child's family. These are children. Even Travis Hunter, who was on the receiving side of this incident, commented on a live stream, it's football at the end of the day. Stuff like that is going to happen. He did what he was supposed to do. It's football. Love it. We'll end this segment on that. And try and lift us up a little bit and take us to we'll take us to a segment that I will run every episode titled Now That's Cool, in which we show a video or tell a story about something cool that happens in the sports world. Today's video comes from us uh from Ed Crassen on Twitter at Ed Crassen. The video 
comes from last week's high school football game at Live Oak High School in Waco, Texas. A woman named Kennedy Irwin just happened to be driving by as a player for Gordon High School kicked an extra point. The ball goes through the uprights and then directly into, into the passenger window in which Irwin was sitting. I love sports. It's, I mean, there's something joyful you can find every week that happens in the sports world. Well, there's lots of bad. Um, but lots and way more good, way more heartwarming activity going on in the sports world. And this video coming from Live Oak High School is just that. Now that's cool. We'll end today's show with a segment that we'll end every show with. It's Last Call. Every season we find out the NFL is dangerous. Last year we had DeMar Hamlin. Dies on the field. Literally dies on the field. Resuscitated, comes back, great story. I'm watching the games this weekend. Notable player injuries. Aaron Rodgers from the Jets, torn Achilles. Running back Austin Eckler from the Chargers, ankle injury. Running back Nick Chubb, we just watched from the Browns, knee, leg, basically needs a new leg. Wide receiver Jalen Waddell from the Dolphins, concussion, awful tackle. Running back Saquon Barkley from the Giants, another leg injury, ankle injury. It looks like he's going to have some time off. Running back J.K. Dobbins from the Ravens, another injury. Achilles, done for the year. Safety, Buda Baker, big trade talks, maybe go to the Eagles, maybe not. On IR for the cards, hamstring injury, doesn't know when he's coming back. Wide receiver Deontay Johnson from the Steelers, hamstring, probably done for the year. Wide receiver Jacoby Myers from the Raiders, concussion, not going to be the same for the rest of his life. Wide receiver Cooper Cup, Rams, hamstring injury, he will come back this year. He will be injured all year. There is no avoiding it. These are just some notable players. There's a slew of players that get hurt every week. The injury report, when you look at it, is filled with letters Q, P, uh, you know, D. They, players get injured every game, every play almost. Football is a dangerous game. There's nothing we could do to change it. The things we can do to change it, stuff like uh, scientifically imp and technologically improving pads and helmets. But even that, uh, you know, I was watching uh, the game. one of the games Lewis Riddick was uh, doing the announcements for, uh, being a, uh, was an announcer for. Um, and he was reminiscing of how helmets of old, uh, you know, we're so much better than helmets now. All these new helmets just fall off. And I'm thinking, yeah, no duh, because they figured out that the helmets, you know, upon, upon certain hits should probably fall off. The helmets we use today are by far the best helmets that have ever been created in the history of the NFL. So I, I, I don't know what he's talking about. Announcers, I watched them all weekend, especially when Saquon has his leg bent backwards by three giant men. The way they describe these injuries is uh, that player got shaken up on that last play. Like, Yeah, he was shaken up. His leg was bent backwards. Shaken up is not a good way to describe life-altering injuries, season-ending injuries. But we play this game. Announcers, fans, players, where we acknowledge that the NFL is dangerous, but we 
we don't accept that danger and injuries can happen and are happening. I was on Twitter all weekend and journalists and Twitter journalists, people with 600 plus thousand followers are out there and they're coming out in support of not showing injuries on live broadcasts. Pair that with last year, DeMar Hamlin showing him falling to the ground after that hit probably a thousand times. ESPN showing it nonstop over and over talking about it nonstop. But then when like Nick Chubb gets hurt, we're being applauded for never showing the replay. By showing the replay, we're not saying that the injury was a good thing. We show reviews and instant replays of everything. I don't think it's not like a. I know they made a big push to stop showing people run across the field naked or running on the field naked. Um, this is an injury. It's part of the game. NFL is dangerous. I don't know if not showing the injuries is going to make them stop happening. And I don't know who not showing the injuries is for. Is that like a pat you on the back for the network? Like, we're doing good. We're not showing people get hurt. Ergo, it's not happening? Uh, I don't know. It, it rubs me the wrong way. I, I feel like I'm being lied to when I watch the, the broadcasts. Like I said, the Lou Riddick comment about you know, you, you want to say, oh, we're not showing the injuries. And at the same time being like, oh, the old helmets were so much better. They didn't fall off. And they're like, yeah, well, they also didn't wear helmets when they first started playing. So I don't, I feel like every year we go through this, like, back and forth, like, oh, the NFL is dangerous. What should we do? And like, well, it's dangerous. The players that play the game know it's dangerous. They know they risk their lives. They're paid handsomely. I think that the NFL does everything they can to try and make the game safer. I don't think the NFL gives a shit about the players. They care about the money. But I would like to I, I, I would like to see them stop dilly-dallying and prancing around that injuries happen. Um, I don't think I should see 100 replays of Nick Chubb's leg being completely destroyed and tearing his MCL, ACL, UCL, BCL, TCL. But I don't think we should be patting each other on the back like, we're not showing the injuries. We're so much better now. Like, get over yourself. There's billions of dollars being wagered every week. People have 17 fantasy teams. I'm I'm in pick'em leagues, survivor pools. People are gambling every week on every game and every player and every position and and every play. Uh, But Nick Chubb breaks his leg, and we're going to be like, oh, we're so happy you didn't show it. I don't know. It was a weird thing that grinded my gears this week, uh, enough that I wanted to talk about it for way too long. Um Damar Hamlin won't be the last serious injury we see in the NFL. Nick Chubb won't be the last serious injury we see in the NFL. Uh, I did see something uh, kind of ironic saying there's this Monday night curse where it was Damar Hamlin, Aaron Rodgers, and Nick Chubb in consecutive Monday night football games all ending their seasons. Um, So maybe the new Madden curse. I don't know. But um, the NFL is dangerous. And if you didn't know... Now you know. But that's all I have to say today. Thanks for tuning in to the First Sports on the Rocks. I'm Ken Larimer. Make sure to follow on YouTube, Sports OT Rocks. It's on Facebook. It's on Instagram. It's on TikTok. It's on Twitter. SportsOnTheRocks.com coming soon. We'll all have a daily blog. But I'm excited to talk to you guys every week about sports. And uh, we're definitely going to have a great football season. Thanks for tuning in. 
I'm Ken Larimer, and this has been Sports on the Rocks.